none of us are broken. None of us need to be fixed. We have everything we need from this tiny seed from which we grew. All we need to do is, you know, discover what are the elements we need to continue to flourish and to be okay with shifting directions. And, you know, some flowers grow toward the sun. Hi, I'm Teresa, and welcome to the podcast that explores the stories the body holds and the stories the body tells. I'm Sherry, and our aim is to connect the individual to the collective through our shared stories of living in a body. And each week, Sherry and I pick a different topic and have a casual conversation. This is Anecdotal Anatomy. I feel excited about today's conversation. So, you know, like, Yada, 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 small talk, small talk, small talk. How was your day? How's the weather? Everything's fine. Let's get down to business. Yeah, we're wow, talking. that's to- a big change for us. <laughs> Jump right in. <laughs> Not at all. Does sarcasm translate in this medium? You know, I know in texting, it's hard. Yeah, in texting, it's hard. When people can't see your face, it might be hard. Who knows? Communication is one of the things that we're also going to talk about today. So... What does translate in taking away some of the communicators that we have when we're face-to-face, like body language and facial expressions? And, you know, you have to really just rely on the words and whether they're put together clearly and, and in a way that people understand the meaning that you intend without having any of the other cues. I think that's really so, hard. It is hard. And to contextualize this conversation just a little bit more, we are, we are a few weeks away from our camp that we're going to be offering. And so we decided to break it down for you guys, like why we do these incredible transformational programs that we invite you to and why we have these conversations. But CAMP is an acronym. And the C's, we've been playing a lot with the C's because they're communication, like Teresa was just talking about, connection and community, but it's also creativity. You know, these are, we're going to go through each one of these letters during the week, except for P. P, we're going to add into everything from CAMP, C-A-M-P. The P is playful practices, and that's going to infuse everything we do. So that sense of play will will come in. But August 4th and 5th at Snipes Farm, if you're local, it's Friday evening the 4th from 6 to 9, and then Saturday on the day from 11 to 6. So we have seven hours on Saturday to play, play, play. And we're just going to, you know, dangle the what were you saying the other day the carrot that you used to give uh, yo, friend, yeah dangle the carrot a little but... yeah so see we're going to see how each one of these letters each one of these pillars these things that we offer through these programs are in service of transformation you know and sometimes the transformations are huge and epic and like mind-blowing and sometimes they're really subtle shifts that are the beginnings of a new direction so we bring it all into this conversation yeah i'm so excited I have to say, like every time I've ever gone to uh, a workshop, like I've been to Kripalu a couple of times, I've trained there in different things. And I'm the person who's thinking by the time I leave, I'm going to have like this epic change in who I am. Like there's just going to be so much great information that I'm waiting for that epiphany, for that transformation. And I realized that I'm waiting so much for that big boom that in the beginning, I missed what you just said, the little subtle things that, that change, that move and transform and continue to grow long after I've left. So the subtlety was something that took a little bit more awareness on my part to tune into some of those subtle things that I embodied. And generally when I do something, it's an immersion. And in immersion, information comes at me really, really, really quickly. And then when I leave, you know, the processing time, that's, that's when it really starts to be embodied. And I start to notice those subtle things growing into different types of transformation and growth. I call them pebbles on the path. You know, they're little pebbles that if you were just walking without noticing, you might walk over, you might walk on, you might walk around, you might pass without any notice. But when we're put in an intentional community, and community is one of the things that we're growing, then we have a different journey because it's all a journey. You know, we're not going to get those epiphanies, you know, 
out of context, out of, well, maybe, but out of, out of this experience, it's all part of the journey. But these pebbles I find so profound because when we, when we're in that place of paying attention, we recognize them for what they are. And, you know, a pebble is not a boulder, it's a pebble. And so it's that, that nuanced space that we're like, oh, there's something to pay attention to. There's something that's guiding me. I don't know where I'm going. I have no idea where it's taking me, but I need to pay attention. And when you said pebble, I thought of like walking in my flip-flops now that it's summer and the pebble that gets into my, under my shoe and just kind of, you know, you're like, there's that pebble in there that's trying to get my attention. I need like this pebble captures all the thought and offers all that sensation coming up from this grounded place. It's in my shoe. So, you know, you have pebble, you have seed, you know, is it the seed of change? Is it the pebble that like really captures your attention? What, what is it? You know, in community, when I've been in any of these types of programs, one of the things that I remember is the emotional support. So I can remember once uh, when I was in training for my yoga therapy, I came through the coffee shop at night. And at night, everybody's kind of gathered. Everybody had been in a program during the day. And everybody, you know, is just, there's this energy of sharing within that community. But one night I was walking through and there was a younger woman sitting at a table and she kind of had tears in her eyes and we, we caught each other's attention. And I looked at her and kind of gave her one of those looks like, do you need some support? Should I sit down? Should I walk right by? Like when you see that, you're not quite sure. Does somebody just want their space or do they need somebody to sit? So she, I kind of got the body language, going back to the body language, that she could use a little bit of support. So I sat down. And honestly, the whole time I sat there, if I said two words, that would have been a lot. Maybe a hello and a word or two of support. But mostly she just wanted somebody to, to listen. You know, she had a lot to get out. And so I sat and listened and, you know, had a little bit of subtle and quiet encouragement with for her. And then she was done and I said goodnight and off I went. And it was really kind of heart opening for me to have been able to just sit there without having to offer to do anything, but that she could feel that there was an emotional support. Ironically enough, the next day, whatever happened in the class I was taking, I came to the coffee shop at night, was sitting there and whatever happened, all this emotional release started to come and I could feel tears on my face. And I was like, what is going on? And don't you know that this young woman is walking by and she looks at me and I look at her and she just comes and sits down. And I talked for five minutes, not a long time, but whatever I needed to get out, I got out and she was almost completely silent. And it was this unspoken support that I didn't, we, neither one of us needed advice. We didn't need somebody to tell us what to do. We just needed a way to process. So that's the other thing that I find in community that really, really became very soul nourishing at that moment, both as the listener on the first night and the person releasing on the second night. That's beautiful synchronicity that you describe. It's, it's very beautiful. You had mentioned a seed. You know, and in, in terms of the pebbles, like in that conversation, as you were moved into this community connection. And what struck me about that is this idea of a seed. This morning in my meditation, I was outside. I did kind of a general awareness meditation and I was gazing at my garden and the tomato plants are just out of control. This year I decided to, I, I start them inside and they're just like three little plants. Every year they get crazy. And so I'm like, this year I'm not going to overdo it. I'm just going to put three little plants in there. And they're tiny when they start. They start from these teeny, tiny little seeds. And so it's for someone like me who it's, I can be conceptual with a blank page, but with images, it's much harder for me to, to, to future things and image. And so I'm looking at it thinking this crazy, hairy, kind of like my hair <laughs> plant is, is taking over this bed. And it started from this tiny, tiny seed and it became this big thing. But I know when I used to teach in yoga too, like we started from seed as well. 
And so the thing about a seed is that it contains everything that is going to bloom from it. It already has everything it needs except for the causes and conditions to grow and change and bloom. So it has all the DNA in there. We just need the sunshine and the water and enough earth or whatever the, the elements are that will help foster this growth. So if we take that model and we bring it into to camp, into playfulness, into you know the transformational programs and events that we are developing for this purpose, then we can start from a place like none of us are broken. None of us need to be fixed. We have everything we need from this tiny seed from which we grew. All we need to do is, you know, discover what are the elements we need to continue to flourish and to be okay with shifting directions. And, you know, some flowers grow toward the sun, you know, uh, so let's grow toward the sun together. That feels right. Yeah. And so do the lotus, right? Out of the mud, they rise up. I mean, I'm so grateful that I can walk around lakes because they're all, they always have pond lilies and lotuses. And they are a constant reminder that they, if you've ever walked in a lake, I have. And if your feet touch the ground, it's kind of yucky. It's like, ooh, uh, you know, I like to have my water shoes on if I'm going to walk in there. Or hopefully my feet never touch the ground because you can tell that it's muddy, mucky. But yet, you know, as soon as the sun starts to be appear for longer parts of the day, they all rise out of the dirt. And then the whole lake right now is filled with huge green leaves and yellow and white lotus flowers that are just sitting on top of uh, on top of the water and floating. And it's where I like to go and sit and gaze for my morning meditation or my sit spot is just to see that, you know, and to be cliche, you know, at a mud grows beauty. Like should you grows said. flowers. Should grow. Oh yeah, we did. Should, a grows, whole flowers. should grows flowers. Yes. And you know, at the at the Langhorn location for the Prancing Peacock, they had that little sign that said "No mud, no lotus." So you know, we have to honor the mud. We have to say, all right. So some of these, the foundation is is mucky, you know. But let's put on some of those water shoes and get through it. You know, I mean, I'm being a little flip right now. I know that there are, are an array of experiences that are out there. And we're talking about ones that, you know, that are within our purview. So if it's extreme, then please call someone and get help. And just in that simple building of community, a thought that came back to me while I was prepping was an activity that we did last year in camp, which was what, two minutes of talking? Like we broke into dyads and each person had a minute or two to talk and the other person was the listener without the encouraging nods and the, you know, the affirmation that, oh, yeah, you're OK. But just to purely listen without really intera interacting with the speaker in a specific way. But at the end of that two minutes, everybody was hoping that they had more time to connect, more time to speak. I was just so amazed at the how short of a time of the interaction it was, but how much people felt a part of the community when that specific exercise was done. From a one-on-one -on -one to the shared experience of everybody there, even if they were not the partner, mm -hmm. there was a bonding that happened. It's true. It's called deep listening, I think. I forget. The first time I did it was at the Tibet house when I did my mindfulness meditation training. And I was partnered with someone I didn't know. I didn't know anyone there except for one person who we reconnected later. Um, but so where this is someone I do not know. His name is Michael. I don't want to say his last name because I didn't get consent, but he's a musician. He's this beautiful soul who I would, I, we had our two minutes or our three minutes together. We interacted a little bit throughout the training, but that was our, our connection. And I got to tell you, even if I never saw him again, I would feel forever bonded to him. I feel when I see him on Facebook, when I, during the pandemic, he was doing music and I was so enjoying everything he was doing, but I felt that those three minutes were so profound, two or three, whatever they were, that I feel forever bonded to him. And so he is part of my community, whether he knows it or not, Michael, I don't know if you're listening, but I'm going to send you a shout out for this. But it is profound in this art of listening, which we can only do really in relationship, you know, and so community is essential. I mean, yes, we can listen to ourselves, but that's also a relationship. 
Yeah. And I like what you said, like the art of listening and, and coupled it with communication and skills, because sometimes I fall into the mindset that communication is about what I say, how I express myself, who I'm speaking to. But it's just as important to remember that communication is how well we listen, how we can create a space for somebody else to be able to express their ideas. How can listening like really enhance the connection without having to speak? Just listening enhances the relationship, just like you're saying with Michael. He was there to listen, and I'm, I'm sure you know you listened to him as well. But there was a bond of connection that this whole exercise was not only about speaking, but it was developing the skill to actively listen. And there's those two sides. Everything is on the spectrum, right? We've got right. The, uh, the balance of speech and listening. And that also goes into our communication center. You know, can we speak our authentic And look at you, voice? look at you scratching your no, throat, scratching. the shooter. I was just going to go into the chakra because that's part of the transformational process. You know, we can only use the tools that we know in order to, you know, put them back in. And so part of our, our world is the yoga world. But the chakra system that we have been using mostly comes more from the Jungian tradition. So it's a little bit more emotional and the different centers, the energy centers. And we talk about survival in the root and, you know, the sacral chakra, which is creativity. We're going to get there. People, we're going to get there. Manipura is fire. It's will. It's work and, you know, and that kind of community. And then we rise up. But the throat chakra, I skipped the heart. I didn't mean to skip the heart. Anahata, you're always my, there for me. But Vishuddha, this is a place that I have always felt required balancing for me because I'm a loud, fast talker. You know, listening has been an art that has been a bit elusive to me. I listen, but that deep listening told me that I wasn't really, you know, that I am that person. If someone's talking, I have something I want to say in response. I... I don't want to forget it. I sometimes I'll write it down, but I am just as guilty as the next person is, you know, trying to, you know, not forget the thing I want to say in response to the thing that you said. But I had to some level listen to you in order to know that I had something to respond. So like you said, on the spectrum, there are different, there, everything's on a spectrum. And I've been kind of looking at awareness at levels. I've got this whole kind of pictograph that I'm putting together about awareness that, you know, we need enough awareness to move through the world. We need the awareness to not drop the teacup, to the awareness to be able to move through space without bumping into shit. Like we need that awareness. But then there's that other level of awareness, which I call that second level of awareness that is kind of recognizing patterns of behavior within that experience. I'm digressing a little bit, but not so much because this all comes into this idea of you know, interaction, relationship, community, communication, the patterns that we may find ourselves that may or may not be serving us. That's something we got to know for ourselves. You got to look in and say, oh, this still works. I don't need to, to change it too much or mm, not so much anymore. I don't think I need to hold on so tightly. So we move forward. And what we're doing is offering opportunities to play together. And so many of these things are revealed. Their potency is revealed through, through playfulness. You mentioned um, awareness and awareness is like a key element, self-awareness for transformation. Whether it's a tiny little change that I want to make in my life or some major transition that I am approaching and going through, there needs, it needs to start for me and I, I imagine for others with being aware that I want to change something being aware that something isn't exactly how it needs to be or it no longer serves me or it's just part of natural growth that we go through different phases and the awareness that, okay, this phase is coming to an end, our rhythms and rhymes, right? So we have the rhythms that we go through, but without awareness and just kind of when I've, and I've done this in the past, just kind of blindly going through wrote movements day by day. Oh, this is what I do on Monday. And this is what I do on Tuesday. Or I get up and I go to work and I drive. There becomes this lack that became, I shouldn't say becomes because of that speaking brothers. I became unaware of just walking through day by day and then realize something's got to have a little bit of a change, a little bit of a transformation. So that first step was to become aware, whether big or little, that I wanted to 
changed the way I approached whatever was going on in my life. Simple. So when you, when I think and hear the word transformation, sometimes it sounds like it has to be like this big expansive, like, oh my gosh, I'm going to transform. Like now I'm that butterfly. I went from, you know, squiggly little hairy green caterpillar into this beautiful winged, colorful butterfly. Sometimes it's just the caterpillar taking the first step. And, and I know I started, I know I started the awareness thing, but that's actually next week's conversation for A for camp. Sorry about that, but you're going to hear some of this in repeat, but repetition is good. Repetition is good. Repetition is good. And it won't be the same. It's kind of like my food. I cook delicious meals, but you'll, and I'll cook the same food, but you'll never get the same meal twice because the ingredients are never measured. <laughs> but you, you um, said that you brought in awareness, which is the next time. But when I was doing a little research about for our conversation today, which is creativity and connection and communication, one of the key elements that I found for creativity is awareness. So, you know, it's hard to separate like the koshas. Like ah, you owe me. Uh, we got that kosher statement in, right? Just synced up. <laughs> Oh my gosh. There yep. is no separation, but it was a key. Well, you know, of course, everybody has to put a number on everything. So in the five key elements of creativity, awareness was one of them. Yeah. And the five senses and I'm 55 now. So like the fives are, are pretty big. You know, when I was thinking about this conversation too, I was thinking about the communities, you know, grassroots communities, you know, established communities, growing communities. You know, how do we find our community? What is it that will draw us in? And I'm thinking about the different communities that I've been a part of, the theater community, the hippie community, and it, you know, the yoga community, the religious community, my family community, and there's so many, and it all comes down to the things I love. You know, I was in the theater community because I loved acting. I went to acting camps. I was in a play is a collaboration. It is a community of its own. You know, anything where we're at rainbow gatherings and Grateful Dead shows are intentional communities. We're coming together to, you know, share our, our shared ideals and, and ways of being. School and play, all of the stuff. The yoga community, going into these workshops and trainings and festivals and things that are sort of, you know, generating this, this energy that has a, a strong sense of belonging. And so, but I, I think that for many, and I will speak for others because I have never been the person who feels like if I've experienced something that I'm the only one. I'm someone who thinks if I'm experiencing something, I'm not so unique. There are others out there who need to hear. So I'm certainly not speaking for everyone, but there will be those of you out there who may have had this experience. And that is, how do I know what I love? You know, how do I know what it is? Like for acting and for the hippie thing, like that was easy. That just like, that happened it was sort of organic. I kind of fell into it. But then as I got older and it was funny, I'm moving, I'm having children, you know, there's, I, how do I find my communities? And, and there are communities out there that I do not want to be a part of, that I do not wish to belong to. And was reminded when my kids were little and I had created this bubble of communities of, you know, interacting with people who not necessarily agreed with everything that I felt, but we were at least traveling from the same origin place. We had the same sort of heart-driven energy. And then I started meeting people outside that bubble and remembered that some people really don't leave that high school mentality. Some people really don't, you know, find that. I think that if we all kind of found something that we, and you know, who am I to judge that? I am judging from this end and yeah, um, I kind of want to stop this, this, this role. But how do we discover the things we love? And I think the practices that we do, you know, sitting in mindfulness meditation when you're still, you know, we can see our image much clearer in a still pond than one that has a pebble with the ripples in it. You know, the ripples are beautiful. It's a great song. I love it. I'll play it all the time. It's a dead tune. And there's, there's a time and place for it. But when we can get still, then the wisdom arises. Then the things that are buried deep or need to be uncovered are able to be excavated with a little more ease has been my experience. And so I, you know, it's very personal, these things that we're offering. It's, you know, the transformation was not huge, but this idea of all of a sudden I look back and I think, wow, I really belong to my life. My life belongs to me and I belong in it. That was a big thing for my birthday. I was thinking about it. I was like, 
I really feel like I belong to my life, even when it sucks shit. And it does sometimes. Yeah, it doesn't, you know, our Instagram lives, they always look like it doesn't suck shit. But sometimes, you know, we, there's the real thing. Last, last, I think it was last week, but in the past, you and I have talked about like the seat of the teacher. We, we talked about the teacher and all of the different ways and all of the different people who can be our teachers, as well as us being a teacher. And you said, how do you find your community? When my kids were little, they wanted to do everything. And sometimes they would go and decide, well, we're going to play softball. And then they would start playing softball and decide, I don't really like softball. Mom, can I quit? Yeah, that's, this isn't for me. And so I had a simple rule. If you became a part of a team, you had to finish till the end of the time that you committed to that team, but you never have to do it again. If you decide along the way, it's not something right. that you love. It's not something that you want to do. And I remember some, one of my friends once asked, she's like, why do you let your kids quit everything? Because there are multiple things. And I was like, I don't let my kids quit everything. I encourage them to try everything. And that's how they will find the things that they love. If they try and they have a seed of, I wonder what it's like to play softball or a seed of, I wonder what it's like to you know, practice karate. There's no way of knowing if that seed is going to grow and if that is, you know, just this dream because you saw, you know, this TV show with Karate Kid on it. You thought, hey, that guy's cool. So I better try this thing. Whatever it makes it look it was, so easy. <laughs> yeah. yeah and, I mean, and I can do that. That's simple. But without giving them the mm -hmm. freedom to try and know that, you know, if you make a commitment, uh, uh, they had to honor their commitment. But if not, that's how, how they found their communities. That was a big lesson for me that. You know, you can try different things, join different groups, find out if it's a good fit. And if it's not, with grace and honor, just be like, I'm not doing that anymore and move on to the next thing. So uh, I really find that finding my community is a lot about knowing. And again, I'll come back to awareness, things that capture my attention and why. And I've done the same thing. I'm thinking, whoa, that looks like it's going to be so much fun. And then I go do it. And I was like, oh my gosh, that was the most boring event that I've been at in a long time. And that is not how I want to spend my time. But trying, engaging, getting to know both the activity and the people who are sharing that activity with me was a good way for me to find my people. And I was yeah. born into a group of people that's really big. So I'm lucky to have a you know, community. When we talk about communities, I, my first thought was family too, and that would be Muladhara, our first chakra. But when I was looking deeper, when it comes to community and work, Manipura is the chakra that is typically used, which is the fire. So you're going from earth to fire. And I, I just found that elementally very interesting. Elementally, my dear Watson, you know, we talk about, I think when we're kids, it's also different because we have the time and the space to explore and to play and to find those things out. When we have young kids, it's also easy because they're in school where there's certain communities that are, I'll say, dumped on us. They're kind of, we have to kind of engage with certain places. So we get that. But if we're a grown up and we're working and we've got families and we've got other, you know, constraints around us and we're still looking for that meaningful thing to find that community, whether it could be a religious community, it could be a spiritual community, it could be, you could go to the gym, that could be your community. But sometimes I found it much harder when my kids were growing and I was kind of moving out of that, how do I kind of inhabit? I say harder, challenging, but I'm also someone who has always gone with the flow. So I'm trusting that that next thing will come. But I wanted to tell a story about community and, you know, my thing, I wanted to, I, I used to give a talk called Reading the Room, A Spiritual Guide to Being Human. And it was really, you got to read the room. And I'm not going to go into that, but Stacy, who we talk a lot about as our coach, we went back in it was either the late 80s or early 90s. We went to a workshop at the Open Center in New York City. Uh, Julia Cameron, who wrote The Artist's Way, was doing a workshop with Sonia Choquette, who wrote The Psychic Pathway. And we were so excited. We're like, because we already loved The Artist's Way. And I bought my Psychic Pathway book. And we're going to meet these incredible, you know, teachers and, and learn. Like, we, the expectation was just... Oh we got there and they are amazing. I'm not putting them down at all. They are incredible teachers. 
what we missed was that this is not our community. You know, they're talking and they're talking to people who were never encouraged to be creative. So this brings in also creativity. People whose parents pushed them more to convention than to creativity. People who were never allowed to express themselves in the arts. You know, people who are just, you know, that kind of fostering as young people. Meanwhile, Stacy was in the original show of Annie on Broadway. I was always acting since the time I was a kid. We both had parents who not only fostered, but encouraged us to follow our dreams and follow our hearts. And, you know, they would do what they could to support those pebbles on the path. And at one point we're like being, you know, put into these breakout groups to, to, you know, work on the trauma of not having the creative seed be nourished. And we both kind of looked at each other like, this is not our community. And we went in there with the expectation that it absolutely would be. And then at the end, Julie and Sonia signed our books. And I'm excited because Sonia is going to give me like this. She's giving everyone a psychic message, like some kind of thing. And mine was absolutely ironic because her thing to me was be peaceful. Now, this was at the height of what I felt was my most hippie, you know, kind of peace and love place. So for her to tell me to be peaceful felt extremely ironic. But at the same time, it gave me pause. And I thought, Maybe there's something there. Maybe there's a shadow that I'm not looking at. I was in my 20s, so like I didn't have the wisdom that I've accrued since then. So I'm sitting with it. I'm trying to sort of work through those layers of awareness so that I can get to this, this agitation or this aggression that is in me that needs to, you know, be pacified in some way. And I never got there. You know, I think it's easier to kind of see now where those microaggressions may have been showing up inside of me, like, fuck you, or whatever that is, um, but more as a funny thing. But I thought, huh, what an interesting thing to say. And I'm still not convinced completely one way or the other that she was right or wrong on that. But in that moment, I felt really disheartened and discouraged that, like, that's what you saw from me? Ouch. <laughs> <laughs> But it was all about this creativity thing and the seed of that. So we can either be squelched or we can be, you know, encouraged and, you know, watered. Yeah, you were talking about earlier the elements. And we talk about the elements a lot because we have early on, uh, in addition to the kosha, talked about how we are made up of all the elements. Everything incorporates all of those elements. And one of the things that I found really interesting while I was reading about transformation was how the elements play into transformation, but I never really put them into this context. Like earth is truth. And in a way it makes sense. It's our solid foundation. It's the thing that we work on, but earth as a, one of the elements is if we're looking for transformation, what's our truth? What is it that we really want to do? How do we want to move through this transformation? What are we looking for? So that brought me back to moving it up with awareness. What is my truth and what am I looking to change and why do I want to change it? You said it's hard to decide what you love. Sometimes I think it's much easier for me to know what I don't want. What I don't want, it speaks loudly. What I do want or what I love takes a little bit more awareness, a little bit more sitting with it, a little bit more opening of my mind and being accepting to things that come in. So what I love, I find fascinating that it's easier to know what I don't like than what I do love. The other is water. Well, there is my Brooklyn, is water. <laughs> it's the water. And the element was linked with order. So I like the way, you know, that kind of plays on my tongue, the water order, <laughs> water and order. And you've said this before to me, and I really liked it that, and I've heard it in many other places, that water really doesn't have any specific shape. It's defined by the container. So it finds its order based on what it's held in. So how do we order the different things that I want to do to move through? some sort of transformational process. And the thing that came to me is that you need to be fluid and allow things to come and go and experience them to decide, do I bring them in? Are they part of the process? Can I let them go? So order and fluidity, I think, was a really interesting concept that I kept playing with. 
partnering all it, of it with all of it is served by playfulness all of it is you know because we can our truth and our order and all of that if we're stuck in it you know sometimes a little playful atmosphere can help break down those walls or the container of the water so that it can flow you know if the container is too contained it's too small or too like they have like roomy with the you know if you take your cup and you dip it in the ocean are you you know a drop in the ocean or an ocean in the drop and it's still ocean water in that cup but when we release the form then like you know then the sacral chakra up from the water that's sort of you know birthing with the water that can factor in there's so many different you know structures that we use to thread these things together sutra so, you know suture suture yeah suture yeah, it threading it together yeah. There's just so many different ways to process and connect with nature and the elements. And, you know, when I really started to embody the idea that the elements are in nature, I am nature, the elements are in me, it just, it, everything expanded. And that brings us into air, right? This expansiveness of space and air. And the element and is energy. And so there's my woo factor coming back. You know, this energetic flow of what rides on the currents of the air for transformation, that things can just move and the energy of where I want to go, what I want to do has a flow to it. It has this energy that kind of brings me along. And it's also the, the element of the heart chakra. And they, in Ayurveda, the vata is the most unstable element. So even just semantically, like unstable, what does that mean? You know, that it's, it is expansive, it is big, it does blow, but it, you know, when we're overly identified with air, then we need to balance it out with maybe a little earth or a little fire, something to, you know, although the air might inflame flames more, I don't know. And the last one that was offered in the elements of transformation was fire. And that was expansion. And this one, I really want to sit and like play with in my thoughts because fire burns things up, right? So I, the first vision that I had was the fire was expansive. The, the flames are dancing and they've got all of the orange and the blues and the whites. And you just really, I'm gazing into a campfire in my thoughts. But it also brought me back while I was gazing into the fire in reference to like, how fire and expansion can be an element of transformation. And as I was thinking and preparing, I remember our fire, some of our fire ceremonies. And the one that really came to my mind, although we've had a couple with our community, was the one that we did at Snipes last year at camp. Because every it was a full moon fire ceremony, lots of energy flowing around, lots of, yes, and everybody began to howl at the moon. But the howling at first was kind of quiet and reserved, right? Like you want us to howl at the moon? Like for, I'm going to speak for me. I was kind of like quietly like, like I think I just dove right in. I think I oh, just yeah, went well, right you, in. Yeah. yeah, because, you know, you like. But that's the modeling too. That's, the, that's one of the beautiful things about community to kind of draw into community again. And that transformational piece is the reflection that community gives us. So sometimes reflection is modeling. Like if I get out there and I'm doing it loud and there's someone who might've been trepidatious about it at first, they're gonna come in and see that Sherry's doing it loud, I can do it loud too, that we can foster a sense of energy, you know, air, this energy you were talking about, fire, this expansion, you know, community, reflection, all of these things are, you know, we, one thing alone is fine, but when we bring them together, and we get to reflect back, we can, you know, we give permission to others to unleash those things that otherwise might, might stay contained. And that's where I think some of that expansion comes in through community, through the fire of transformation. You know, when the flames are licking the sky and those tendrils of smoke continue to move out, you know, we've experienced that here from the Canadian wildflower flowers. Wildflowers. I wish they were wildflowers. Hopefully, they were wildflowers. Wild yes. You know that that those tendrils, which were not tendrils anymore, which were billows of smoke, were coming down the coast. And so, you know, we got to to see and experience and feel the expansion of that those flames, for better or worse. Like I said, every one of these elements 
can either you know promote life or take it away or somehow somewhere in that spectrum. So coming into playful, like this playful act of transformation and adding this playful thing. Some of the things that I love to do for play is color. And the other night I challenged myself to color a photograph with only using blacks and grays to color my, to take out my coloring book. And instead of looking at how vibrant I could make the image that I was coloring, I wanted to see how many shades I could put in by limiting the colors. The only color that I was, that I used other than the shades of grays, blacks, and whites, which is all kind of fits into the same place for me in, in shading and shadowing was blue. And just adding, because all of the images in this one coloring book, they're mostly images of females who are intertwined with nature scenes. So, you know, leaves growing out, they always have a an array of flowers, a flower, what do you call that? A flower crown on their head. And so that was blue, but everything else was in those grays. And that was one of the things that just brought me a lot of concentration. It really cleared my mind because I had, I was focusing so much on what needs to be shadowed, what needs to be highlighted. How do you take this limited amount of color and make something beautiful out of it? That's one of the more, the, one of my mindfulness activities that has kind of flowed in and out of my life. Sometimes I move away from painting and or coloring and it goes into the wayside for a while, but it always seems to come back in. That's the creative energy that when I'm inspired to, to start to color and to come back into either painting and or coloring. It's almost like you have to do it now, Teresa. And I had that feeling about three or four weeks ago. And I was like, I need to buy a coloring book. I moved. I don't have a coloring book. I don't have my colored pencils anymore. And now it's not a nightly thing, but it is definitely one of my very strong and mindfulness practices that just brings me a great deal of joy and calm and peace. And I think that's the, the power of play is the joy that comes with it for me. I love that. And I think that's fantastic. And I think that play, you know, is when you think of camp, who doesn't think of something playful, you know? And even though we are offering this camp that's coming up, everything that we do has um, an element or a signature program or something that is fostering of transformation. And this, I, and you know, sometimes we don't need to transform so big. We've talked about that. But this joy thing, this idea of joy fascinates me. Like I will say to my children, I will never say, oh, you make me so happy. I always say you contribute to my already existing, you know, baseline of happiness because it's not on them to make me happy. And this idea of joy, I had someone for my birthday say, I hope you find joy. And I thought, well, joy is already inside me and joy is in my, in my DNA. And, and this, you know, whether it is true for you or not, or you identify with that or not, it's not something that I need anything external to, to feel the joy. It is there, but there are activities and things that add value to the joy, that, that bring it out, that sort of take it out of the hiding space when it, when it hides in a little bit or decides it's not a part of this experience. But it's always there. It's like that seed. It's contained in the seed already. So what are we doing to water it? For you, you're doing the drawings, which is amazing. The coloring is watering your seed of joy, but it's not external. It's, you know, it is, it is a part of that journey that the, the drawing is sort of like a pebble on the path, allowing you to, to uncover. And I'm speaking for you a little bit and, you know, take it or leave it. It's certainly not a, a declaration up for you, but I'm fascinated by that. And this sense of this inner child, you know, that is um, the, the player, you know, we all also have that too. So we want to begin to uncover and unlearn, unwind. I know you talk a lot about unwinding and unspiraling and all of that to kind of get to the juice. And so creativity and play often go hand in hand. And, you know, I just wanted to bring up yesterday, we had a conversation about some of the things that are, are a little disheartening to us on this path of growing a business, of, you know, doing the things that we love 
in communities that we love, all of these things. But there's also, you know, the things that are not happening as quickly as we'd like. And so we were talking about that. Almost as soon as we were done talking about it and getting it out, we got into the creative flow. We started creating. And all of a sudden, all of that sort of discursive thought began to peel away. It was almost like the creative process was the fire that transmuted the discursive thought into something exciting and joyful and playful and, and meaningful. It's all the fools. We get all the fools with this. So this is all to say that everything we talk about is everything we talk about. Everything we offer is everything we talk about and everything we do. So if we may sound like we're repeating certain things, it's because we are. Because these are, they're different. We talk about different lenses through which we look at the world, through which we take in the world. And so, you know, it, it behooves us to talk about all of the same things in different ways so that we can, you know, expand the understanding of whoever is taking it in. Because 10 people listening to this, this podcast, and, you know, there are tens of thousands of you out there. But the 10 of you listening or whoever many are listening, you're all going to be taking different things away. You're all going to have a different way in. You all have different experiences. And so, you know, we can't read the room from here. There's no room to read. So we get to read each other. We get to play off each other. We get to share the things that move and stir our hearts and hope that it lands out there in the um, unseen audience. Yes, talking to a microphone has its definite challenges uh, going back to me saying, you know, when you can't see somebody face to face, you know, we're losing some of those communication cues of body language and facial expression. In this, we're losing them all, right? Because we um, don't know how they land and love to imagine those, those tens of thousands of listeners that, <laughs> that, <laughs> that are hearing our words and taking whatever seed, whatever pebble, whatever tiny bit or expansive bit of information resonates in this particular episode or a different, you know, you come in and one day maybe it's, there wasn't, a, there weren't a lot of seeds in that one for me today, but, to, but this one, oh my gosh, it's chock full. And that is one my personal motivators. And I think that transformation has motivation laying at the base of it, of creating programs. Like you said, as soon as we got into the creative process, oh my gosh. And I have to say, Sherry and I went back and forth yesterday over and over and over again in little snippets. Now we weren't texting, we were boxing. So that is like a walkie talkie going back and forth for those of you who don't know what boxing is. But anyway, we're both doing our individual work and the boxer makes a little bit of a sound. It has a little beat, but it went back and forth for a good two hours with us just feeding each other information and inspiration, which was kind of funny because when we were finished, the thing I said was, I can't believe that we boxed back and forth so much that we weren't like, we, it wasn't overwhelming or confusing because we were so ingrained in the creative process that it was feeding the energy with positivity and creation. So I found that to be kind of interesting because usually if I'm very focused on something and I'm getting interrupted, it becomes a frustration. But there was so much creative energy flowing throughout yeah. that process that none of that happened. However, I did say, and we got it all done. And it wasn't until the end of the day when somebody actually registered for the thing that we started to promote that the parts that I missed were highlighted. So <laughs> there's, always, there's always the next that step and the next thing to get done. Well, we're coming up near the end here. I would like to read something. This was an AI chat GPT thing that I put out there, but I thought it was relevant and and interesting, it's beginning to, to mimic my voice a little bit, I think, although that should be an illusion. But this was a transformation. And, you know, the C's are communication, community, connection, creativity. It says that communication, it's effect, effective communication is essential for transformation. It enables exchange of ideas, information, and feedback, fostering understanding and alignment, which is next week's conversation for A, among individuals or groups, communities. And it helps lead the foundation for collaboration and progress. 
So communication, Vishuddha, you know, the throat chakra, this is huge. Community, transformation often thrives within what Teresa mentioned as a supportive community. When you sat with that woman at Kripalu, when she sat with you without even having to say a word, when individuals come together around a common purpose or goal, they can create a collective energy, back to the energy, the air of the heart, and shared vision that drives change. A community provides a nurturing environment for creativity to flourish, offering support and encouragement. This is the part I loved. It said, um, and constructive feedback while also fostering a sense of belonging and connection. And that's something we are very proud of, that when you come to an anecdotal anatomy event, you already belong. There is no trying to fit in. You are already a part of the community. Connection, transformation requires meaningful connections between people, ideas, and resources. Fostering connections, individuals can tap into a broader network of knowledge, experiences, and opportunities. It enables the exchange of ideas, collaboration, and this I loved, the cross-pollination of creativity. So connection is already bringing in creativity. Each one is sort of moving off the other. Cross-pollination brings in nature. It brings in the ecosystems that we can't see that are also serving us that and part of this connection and community. Connection, okay, but about above, building connections. All right, what Creativity, and this I also loved. Creativity serves as the fuel that ignites transformation. And that's what happened to us yesterday. We were fueled by the creative process. It is the driving force behind innovation, idea generation, and the exploration of new possibilities. Love this too. By infusing creativity into the process, individuals can challenge conventional thinking, break through barriers, and envision novel solutions. Creative thinking inspires fresh approaches, encourages experimentation, and helps individuals and communities to adapt and evolve in the face of change. So all of this and add a little bit of playfulness, a little silliness. And, you know, we may never make the same meal twice, but these ingredients will continue to create delicious meals of transformation. So <laughs> last thing is transformation change can be hard. So embracing it with a lighthearted attitude and playfulness is really the key, the, <laughs> the very end. So embrace that curiosity and be playful. Until next time. Yay, <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening, for rating, reviewing, and subscribing to our channels and other stuff. Thank you for inspiring us to have these conversations and to create contemplative live experiences that move our bodies, hearts, and minds to the rhythm of our highest selves. Thank you for showing up. Feel free to send us your stories, questions, and comments to anecdotalanatomy at gmail.com. As always, we want to thank our amazing editor, Judith George, Keith Kenny for our fun music, and Cindy Fatsis for our photos. Journey with us as we continue down the roads of discovery, taking the detours and meeting the mysteries. You are our why. See you next time.